Father, we're so thankful to be here. This is such a good place. And worship is such a good experience. And music is so beautiful. And your presence is so loving. And your creation is so amazing. And your plan over the many, many thousands of years has just blessed us as men and women. And we come before you this day to submit to you, to hear what you would say to our ears, to our heart, and to our spirit. And I just pray, as much as you love us, we will do whatever we can to love you in similar kind, that we would commit ourselves to being your people, that we would welcome, absolutely embrace totally the will and the plan that you have us for individuals, for families, for this church family, that we would know that you are our Lord and Master and we would humbly come into that with great commitment and excitement. Lord, thank you for the privilege and bless us as we share a few thoughts, thoughts this day. And we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It has been a very good day, and I hope it's been a good day for you. I had a wonderful day yesterday because counseled somebody in the office yesterday morning and had three wonderful visits yesterday afternoon. Please hang on. I'm going to find you sometime on Saturday afternoon because that is part of my joy. Now, I will tell you that yesterday I had three visits and two out of the three pie and a cake. Now, thank you for laughing because I don't need a pie and a cake. <laughs> but the expressions of love and more than that, the joy of visiting with people, two of our older couples and then one fine younger family with three beautiful children. And we just had a very good time and I just had a ball. So... Thank you for being at King's Grant Baptist Church, and thank you for allowing me, and I will be moving on through visits and communication and good things, and all under the guidance of Almighty God. Now, the question for us to deal with today is multifaceted. The first part of our question is, does God speak to his people? Now, the answer to that is already in our hands, already in Scripture, already in our spirit, because the answer to that question is absolutely, totally, 100%, yes, 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 yes. God does speak always to his people. But the second part of our question is, how does he speak? By what method? What vehicle? What are the processes? And we're going to talk a great deal about that in the next 30 or 40 minutes. And then the third part of our question, which is up to you and up to me, is when God speaks, how are you going to respond? So he does speak, and we're going to go over the ways in which he speaks. 
and then you and I are going to have to wrestle. I hope you're already wrestling with it because you are godly people or you wouldn't be sitting in this room this morning. But you're also selfish, sinful people. I am too. And we all have our own personal preferences and we want to do it our way. But God speaks to us from a position, his position of authority. And so the last part of our question is, how are you and I going to respond? Now, I will tell you, uh, and I've thought about this several times over the years. Many years ago, people would say, well, I just wish God would send me a telegram and tell me exactly what to do. Now, some of you may not even know what a telegram is. I guess today we would have to say, I really wish God would send me a text or an email and tell me what his plan is. The bottom line of that is we wish that we had a concrete message, something that we could put in our hands, put in our eyes, put in our minds that would tell us what God was wanting us to do. Well, the first thing I want to say to you I hold in my hand a whole book full of telegrams or texts or emails, the messages of God's way to live the Christian life. And we're going to look at that a little bit more. But first, we go back to the Old Testament years and years ago. You know, and I know, we've looked at the Old Testament. In your Bible studies, you've looked at the Old Testament. And the fact is, in the Old Testament... God actually had conversations with his people. How many of you in here have ever had an actual interrelated dialogue with Almighty God? I mean, words spoken back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Maybe you have. I haven't. And I've been seeking the Lord for many, many, many years. But I've had all sorts of wonderful messages where he speaks to me. But that's part of why we put Elijah in front of you through Scripture this morning, because Elijah was a powerful man of God. And in this Scripture, Elijah had just been involved in a dramatic, just amazing demonstration of God's presence and power on Mount Carmel in front of 900 pagan prophets. And he had seen through prayer, Elijah had seen through prayer, and the power of God came down in fire and burned up all the stuff on the offering uh, altar there. And Elijah treated the prophets very drastically. In fact, he annihilated them. And then Ahab and Jezebel, the evil rulers of the pagan times at that time, said they were going to kill Elijah. And if you read in the 18th, 19th chapter of 1 Kings... You see Elijah just taking off and running. And he ran 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 some more for miles and miles and miles and days and days and days. He was running from Ahab and Jezebel. And I will tell you that Elijah was terrified. He was frightened for his life. And he ends up in a cave. Elijah is hiding because of his fear. And Elijah is depressed. Elijah has given up. 
And scripture says, but the word of the Lord came to him and almighty God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah responded. He said, I have been zealous for the Lord and the Israelites are tearing down all of your altars. They're putting all your prophets to death. And now they want to kill me too. And God says to Elijah, well, you need to go and stand out on the edge of the mountain because the presence of the Lord is coming by. And then we're told that there was a great wind that shook the mountain. There was an earthquake. There was fire. But God was not in the wind, the earthquake, and fire. But then Elijah heard a small whisper. And God told him to go out and stand and see the Lord passing by. And Elijah pulled his cloak over his head and went out to see the Lord. And the Lord said to him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah said the same thing. I am zealous for the Lord and I, they have torn down your altars. They have destroyed your prophets and they're trying to kill me too. And God spoke to Elijah and says, you go back the way you came and go back to Damascus and I will bless you. Now, the message, the story that I tell you is illustrating the fact that God spoke through actual words, dialogue, conversation. I haven't ever had that. It would be fine if I had that. And God can do whatever he wants to do. Maybe you've had conversations with God, but I certainly in a deep, powerful way that I will tell you about later have had absolute words from the Lord. In the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, another way the Lord spoke to his people was by dreams. You know, Joseph had dreams. Daniel had dreams. Joseph, the husband of Mary, had dreams. Peter had dreams. Dreams that were initiated by the Lord's Spirit and the Lord's power to give messages. Now, have you ever had a God-directing type dream? Now, I will say that at that point, I will tell you that I have had not just one, but repetitive dreams over a period of my life. Now, I will tell you, uh, if you know anything about dreams or sleep patterns... There are five stages of sleep that all of us go through. They're called REM sleep, and then stage one, two, three, four. And dreams usually happen in REM sleep in stage one and two. That's why some of you remember your dreams, because you sleep lighter than some of us do. I sleep in three and four. <laughs> when I go to sleep, the only thing that will wake me up is the crazy alarm clock that wakes me up at in the morning and because I sleep very deeply so therefore I don't remember my dreams you remember your dreams because you're up here in REM or stage one and two I'm way down there in the depths of my sleep and I do not remember my dreams although we're told even people that sleep deeply all of us dream however I have a period of my life from 1973 through 1981 now that's eight years and I wish that I had documented. I did not. And that's my fault and my lacking. I had several of the same type of dreams 
from 1973 through 1981. And it may, I'm just going to estimate that I might have had as many as 25 or 30 of these same similar characteristic dreams during that eight-year period of my life. And the main characteristics of these repetitive dreams was the fact that I mean, they were joyful dreams. They were amazing dreams. They were powerful dreams. They were exciting dreams. And the main characteristic was the fact that I and my wife and our family were living in a large, older house. And somewhere in all of the dreams, that older house was either sitting on the beachfront or sometimes it was actually sitting out in the water of the ocean right here in Virginia Beach and the Atlantic Ocean. Now, in the midst of that dream and the living in that house was my family and a whole bunch of wonderful, godly, joyful young adults. We just had a great time in that dream or those dreams. Now, folks... Some of you know, but maybe all of you don't know, from 1981 until 1993, my wife and I, and during that period of time, from 81 to 93, 150 different college students and young adults lived and worked with us at Partners Lodge on Arctic Avenue in the beachfront. So what was God telling me from 73 through 81? He was giving me a vision in my nighttime dreams. He was speaking to me. And I was excited about that. I didn't know what, in those years, I didn't know what was going to happen. And But when I look back on it and I see what did happen, I thank the Lord to this very day for the fact that God gave me nighttime dreams, actual repetitive nighttime dreams, and spoke to me about what he was going to do in my life and our life and in the ministry that we had for 12, 13 years on Arctic Avenue in Virginia Beach. So, God speaks in those ways. In fact, God can speak any way he wants to. But now, we go to the New Testament. Because we live under grace, and we live in New Testament kind of an experience. That's part of our Christian faith. And I want to take you to that powerful statement, just a very short statement, in the 8th chapter of the book of John, verse 47. And it says, those of you that belong to the Lord will hear what he says. But if you do not hear what you say, it is what he says, it is because you do not belong to the Lord. Now, I want you to think about that. And I'm emphasizing, because scripture emphasizes the term belong. If you belong to the Lord, you will hear what he says. You will hear his voice. You will have messages. You will see what scripture. You will see what the Holy Spirit is saying. But if you do not belong to the Lord, you cannot hear what he says. Now, in the context of... Jesus is saying that word in John 8. In the context, Jesus is talking to Jewish people. To some very arrogant superior, judgmental Jewish people. And they're saying, we don't need all this from Jesus Christ. We're children of Abraham. 
and we know what the truth is. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't, because Jesus said, I'm the truth. And you live by lies, and Satan is the author of lies. And I speak the truth, and you do not believe me. You do not hear what I say. He's speaking to the Jewish people because you do not belong to the Lord. Now, I want you and I to be challenged by this statement and the word belong. I pray that everybody in here belongs to Jesus Christ. I pray that everybody in here has Jesus Christ in your life. I trust that that is so. But I also know that there could be somebody in here that does not have Christ in their life. I also know from personal experience and from working with all sorts of Christian people that sometimes even you and I that have Christ in our life, we do not act and think and behave and live like we belong to Christ. So I want you to emphasize, I need to, to say to you that when we talk about God speaking to his people, speaking to you and me, there's a foundational principle in what this scripture says. If you want to hear what Jesus is saying to you, if you want to hear the words of the Lord, if you want to hear God speaking to you, then you're going to have to realize that you belong to the Lord, that you don't belong to yourself. Now, am I correct when I say that part of what we say about Jesus Christ is that he paid the price? He paid the price for you, for you, for me, for each of us. And what was the price he paid? He went to the cross. He gave his life so that you and I could belong to him because he knew what was good for you and I. Now, this word belong is really tough for us to accept sometimes. Because let me ask you this. Jesus Christ paid the price. And when you accept the fact that he died for your sins. And you accept him as Jesus Christ in your life. Doesn't that make him Lord and Master? Now what does a Lord and Master do? He guides and cares for and protects and leads those that belong to him. Now also when we have to say that he is Lord and Master, the scripture says, and it is fact, since we have to belong to the Lord, that when you accept Jesus Christ, that makes you and me, hang on, this is a tough word, it makes us slaves a slave. Now, let me assure you that the slaves that I am and you are, that we are, is not like we think of a normal slave. This slave is one of abundant life, of freedom, of forgiveness, of enrichment, of blessing, of promises. But that's the kind of slave that we are when we belong to Jesus Christ and it's important for us to belong to Jesus Christ so that we can hear what God wants to say to us. I hope this is making sense to you. Straight from scripture, it is godly sense. 
And it is a joy for you and I because the scripture tells us when we belong to Jesus, we hear what he says, but it also says things like, if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. You will live this abundant life. If you try to find your own life, if you belong to yourself, if you try to run your own, own show, so to speak, then scripture says you're going to lose your life. It's not going to matter to a great deal. And I am thrilled that I am a slave of Jesus Christ. In Romans, the Apostle Paul starts off Romans chapter 1, verse 1. I am a slave to Christ Jesus, the Apostle Paul. And then in the sixth chapter of Romans, it talks about being a slave to two different things. Being a slave to sin, which is what happens when you and I run our own lives. We are a slave to sin. We're a slave, slave to selfishness. But then it also talks about the fact that through Jesus Christ, that we are a slave to righteousness. So my question to you, wouldn't it be better to be a slave to righteousness than a slave to sin. And when we're a slave to righteousness, we belong to Jesus Christ. And when we belong to Jesus Christ, then we can hear and know and receive what he says. That's what we're talking about this morning. All right. So how in the world does all of this happen? If we're going to belong and hear the word from Jesus Christ, a word from Almighty God, how does this happen? Then please let me take you to the 14th chapter of John where Jesus, the night before he's crucified, is preparing his disciples because he's about to be gone. And in the 14th chapter, verse 15 and following, he says, if you love me, you will obey my teachings. And then I will ask the Father and he will send another comforter Another comforter means Jesus was there, but now there's going to be another comforter. And this is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus went on to say, I am not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. Now, this is the night before he's crucified. So how in the world is he going to come to us and come to his disciples when he's going to be hung on a cross, dead, and then certainly resurrected? But he's going to come to us because he is promising right there that he's giving the Holy Spirit. Now, he goes on in chapters 25, excuse me, verse 25, 26, and 27 of the 14th chapter of John. And he says, this is what I want to say to you. I am going to send this Holy Spirit, this advocate, this teacher, and in that, this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is going to tell you everything that I have said. Is going to remind you of all I have said to you. Is going to speak to you everything. Now, everything means everything. And so this is the way we get through the Holy Spirit, through the presence of Jesus Christ. No, we don't hear spoken words most of the time. Maybe you don't have dreams but every person in here that has Jesus Christ in their life, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. And through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, Almighty God, then you belong to him. And then because 
he loves us and wants and is and will always give us the presence of the Holy Spirit, then we can hear what he says to us. Now then, one more thing right there in this 27th verse of chapter 14 of John. Because he immediately goes, Jesus immediately goes from these statements about the Holy Spirit to saying, and peace I leave with you. This wonderful verse that says, I want to give you a parting gift, Jesus says. And my parting gift to you is my peace. And my peace is something the world knows nothing about. And with my peace, you do not have to be afraid. Why? Because I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And because you're going to listen to what the Holy Spirit says, you're going to learn from me, the Holy Spirit. You're going to live with the Holy Spirit in your life. Then you're going to be able to be at peace. Now, that makes a lot of sense to me. And they are right there back to back. Verses 25, 26, and 27, 14th chapter of John. And he is giving the Holy Spirit and speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. And then we have peace because of what he's doing. Now, I want to take a moment and give you a formula. Now, to be honest, I don't particularly like formulas. I am fairly an abstract thinker. I love theology. I love philosophy. I love psychology. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a technology person. Uh, I'm not an engineer. And formulas usually fit those folks a lot better than they do my kind of people. But I'm going to give you a formula. And if there's a lot of people out here that like formulas, then kind of hang on. Because this is a formula that I live by. Now, I want to tell you that it is a formula that I borrowed or I learned from a friend of mine. And I want to tell you just a little bit about this friend of mine. His name is George Mueller. Now, I heard a couple of um, so I think maybe you've heard some maybe about George Mueller. Now, he is a friend of mine, and George Mueller lived from 1805 to 1898. Now, I'm old, but I'm not that old. But he is a friend of mine, and I will tell you that in the mid-'80s, my dear wife walked into my office at Partners Lodge down in the beachfront, and she had a magazine in her hand, and she dropped it on my desk or in my chair somewhere, and in her wonderful way, she said, you need to read this. And I did. And it was an article about George Mueller. And at that point... I became captured by this man, George Mueller. He was a minister in England during those 1800s, and he ministered to thousands of orphan children in England. In fact, there's a phrase put on George Mueller that says that he cleared the streets of the little orphan children all in England. And he built orphanages, houses that housed all the ways that he started with his home where they had eight. And it went up to thousands. And he never asked for one cent from anybody. He prayed to Almighty God and asked the Lord to bless, to bless. And if you ever want to read a whole book of God stories, please get a biography of George Mueller. 
because there is God's story after God's story after God's story. It's exciting. It's amazing that he prayed, he ministered, he took care of all of these children, he showed them the love of God. And then in that, and as I read and after my wife gave me that article, for which I deeply appreciate, the next several months I read everything that I could find about George Mueller. I read everything that was ever written by him or about him. And so I'm pleased to say that George Mueller is my friend. And this formula comes from him. It's five parts. One, two, three, four, five. I'm going to give it to you. It is a powerful statement of how to get and hear and know what God says to you and me about life, about your life, about your family life, about your church life, about this church. And so five points. First one. In fact, the foundational part, and it is connected to the fact that we belong to Jesus Christ. The first statement in this formula, if you want to pray and hear from God the direction that he's taken you for life, for church, for, for whatever, the first thing you've got to do is genuinely, faithfully, absolutely, you've got to say to your heavenly father, I will do whatever you say. I will do whatever you say. Now, that's hard for us sometimes because we want to say, God, I, yeah, I really want to serve you, but can I do it here? Or can I do that? Oh, yeah, Lord, I'm really comfortable doing that. That's not what whatever means. When you go before the Lord to pray and ask for his guidance... I'm saying, George Mueller's saying, and I believe it because Scripture said it, you have to belong to the Lord and you have to treat Him as Lord and Master. And you say to Him, I'll do whatever you say. And whatever means whatever. <laughs> and unless, unless you can say whatever, then you might as well stop right there. Because Jesus requires Submission. So first point in the formula is whatever. Second point in the formula is you need to realize and know that the Holy Spirit, through all sorts of vehicles, through Bible studies, through sermons, through music, through Christian friends, through Christian counsel, that the Holy Spirit has all sorts of vehicles. And so the second point of this formula is you need, once you've said whatever, you need to look and see and accept whatever is put in front of you. Last Sunday, I told you that when I was doing Bible study back in 1997, I was in, we were in Pennsylvania, and I was praying about what I was to do with my ministry. I was searching. I had been searching for months. I was seeking the Lord. And I read in the first chapter of Colossians, Chapters 24 and 25 where Paul was talking about the church. And Paul said, I have become a servant of the church by the commission of Almighty God. And I wrote out beside that passage of scripture in my Bible, I am to be a pastor. Now, I'd been in ministry for 25 or 30 years. But now it was refined back to I was to be right here or in churches leading and sharing with you and others the very truth of Jesus Christ. I 
had been praying and what the Holy Spirit said to me, presented in front of me, because the Holy Spirit will always do his work when you and I submit and say whatever. But we've got to say whatever because we belong to him. So say whatever, then look for what he presents. The third part of the formula is you need to pursue what he presents. If he pursues or if he presents something to you, you've got to look at it. You've got to think about it. You've got to study it. You've got to talk to people about it. You've got to research it. You've got to do whatever you can to embrace what the Lord is saying to you to see if that's the direction. So you say whatever. You look for what is presented. You pursue and you move toward whatever has been presented. The fourth point of the formula is you then begin to make a decision about life or about direction or about whatever you're doing based on what you've seen in step two and three. What is the Holy Spirit presented to you and what have you done through pursuing it? Now you're beginning to lean toward a direction and point number five, and this is where the peace comes in, as you're leaning toward a direction as God has spoken to you, then you seek peace. Remember, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and peace I leave with you. And you don't have to be in turmoil when I give you my peace, he said. So, five points in the formula. But you got to do whatever. Then you look for what he's presented. You pursue what he's presented. You begin to make your decision based on that. And number five, you look for peace. And if there's peace in your spirit, a peace that is deep and abiding, and you know that that is from the Holy Spirit, then that confirms that you're moving in the right direction. Now, I want you to think about that. And I'm going to say to the soundboard and folks, we're not going to do the song that I asked for. Because I want you to think about the statements that have been said to you about belonging to Jesus Christ. And I'm expanding that to say that means that you and I, because we're Christians, we've got to live and act and be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And since he's Lord and Master and we're slaves to him, then through the Holy Spirit, through his revelation to us, I will say one more thing about his revelation to us. I do believe in all sorts of vehicles. I've said sermons, music, Bible study, but also you can have what I call Holy Spirit impressions. That's more than just a feeling. But sometimes I've had Holy Spirit impressions. I don't hear the words, but it's more real in my spirit than even if I'd heard the audible words. And so in all of this, the foundation is to belong to Jesus Christ and then to see what he wants you to do with your life. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to him. Now, I want you to just bow your head and think about that for a moment, please. I'm going to be silent. I have sought to put before you the very words of Scripture and Jesus Christ. 
And he has said, I want you to belong to me, he says. And then, based on that, through the Holy Spirit, I will speak to you. Please think on those words. Jesus, you have taught us today. You teach us every day. You want and you will speak to us every day. We come before you to say thank you. We come before you to say we love and honor you. We come before you to say that we know that you are the author of truth. We know that Satan wants to lie to us. We know that he does lie to us. We know that we are yours. We know that we have Christ in our life, that we belong to you, Lord. But we also confess that we allow Satan to mess with us, to trip us up, to distract us, to pull us away. And I pray earnestly for every person, myself and every person in this room, that we will see you as Master and Lord, that we will submit ourselves to you. And then we thank you, Lord, because you have promised us the abundant life, the rich life, the free life, the forgiven life, the eternal life, but even eternity beginning here, <laughs> even in our day-to-day -day life, you've promised us the presence and the power, the protection and the peace that comes from your love and your spirit. I pray right now for everybody that's listening to my voice that they will listen to what you say. that we will listen to what you say. That we will live according to what you say. That individually we will be people of the way you say it. That our church and unity will listen to what you say. And thank you for saying it. Help us to grow every day in this spirit for you, for your kingdom, for ourselves, for our church, for our families, because you are the way of truth. Thank you, Lord. And we pray in your wonderful and beautiful name. Amen.